You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is sponsored by Spyglass Solutions, a nationally recognized management consulting group with comprehensive experience in the challenges of the healthcare field. Learn more at spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. Hello and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. The latest issue of Kids Peace's flagship publication, Healing Magazine, has been published and today on the podcast, we're talking with three of the folks who've contributed articles to the issue. We'll talk to a therapist and a teacher on how their professions have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. But first, we talk to a Kids Peace training professional about playing games. The spotlight section of the latest issue of Healing Magazine is titled Games People Play. We look at how games and gaming can be beneficial in achieving the goals related to mental and behavioral health care. One of the articles presents the story of a collaborative game developed here at Kids Peace as a component of our training of new employees. The game is called Cosplay, C-O-S, that stands for Culture of Safety, and it brings employees to work together with tools they may have on hand to address specific issues they could face in our programs. Barb Kendall, Pennsylvania Training Manager for Kids Peace, wrote the article for Healing, and she joined us on the podcast. Hello, Barb. Hi, Bob. How are you? I am good. Thanks again for coming on with us. Uh, in your Healing Magazine article, you detail how the cosplay game came together with the help of individuals who have a large amount of experience in the treatment areas of Kids Peace. They're the ones who came up with the scenarios that you present to the new employees. This is what you have to deal with. Were there any of those situations that were suggested to you that surprised you? <laughs> Um, well, I've been working for Kids Peace for about 24 years now, so the element of surprise doesn't happen very much anymore, to be honest. Um, however, there were scenarios that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of uh, when I was create, creating the game. Um, it, it, there, were, there was one that was actually um, with a client who fell through the ice um, on a lake during the wintertime. Uh, we don't have lakes around here, so I can honestly say that we probably wouldn't have thought of that one. The other one that I thought of that when I played the game was just something that kind of surprised me in terms of it being in there as a scenario was um, there was one about a client um, in her home. So she was being she was receiving services at home who had a sibling that was a teenager that left the house with a loaded gun. And the question was, what would you do with that? So um, again, they're not things you see most of the time. Hopefully you never see these, but they could come up and they could be situations. The idea is these are high risk situations and to get you thinking outside of the box a little bit in terms of what would you do to deal with situations like that? Yeah, I mean, because the, uh, the whole point of this is to say you're not going to be able to predict or it's not going to happen on a convenient schedule. Mm -hmm. And you may be confronted with something that is as serious and as rare as what you just outlined. How do you deal with that? And I'm wondering in that same vein, I mean, how do the new associates here at Kids Peace respond to the game when they play it? Because my understanding is that you 
you bring it in sort of the end of their training to kind of apply what you what you just talked about. How do they respond? They seem to love it, to be honest with you. Um, our second week of our new associate orientation is spent really learning all the different interventions and things that we use at Kids Piece. So at the very end of it, after a long week of learning all these different details and these different things they can use, we put it all together in this game. And it's a fun, stress relief slash tie everything together kind of idea. Uh, they sit down with it. We give them the scenarios. It's run by trained facilitators. We actually train it ourselves from the ODT department. And um, the associates get into it. They really love it. They honestly, there are times we can't hear each other because everyone's laughing or throwing out ideas. And it really creates this awesome conversation. And, and there's some where people will be like, I didn't even know I would use that. Or what is this? I've, I've never seen this as a safety tool before. And you get to talk about it. I've even had groups that ask if they could do this through lunch, which no one asks to do something through lunch. So, <laughs> so it, it, really, it really has gone over really well with the new associates. That's fantastic. Uh, in the article, you mentioned that we are looking at possibly developing new versions or new kind of, uh, you know, an extension of cosplay. What are some approaches you think would be good uh, to see the game take in the future? Um, I really love to see, and I think this is one of the, one of the ones they're working on, actually, is a family version um, that families can use, whether it's through foster care type services or outpatient type services or just families in general. Um, you know, anybody who's ever had a teenager, sometimes you want to know what you could use to work with in those situations. Um, I'd love to see a clinical version um, that, that therapists could use uh, with their clients with different maybe coping strategies and things like that to work through with, with the kids. Um, uh, truthfully, I even thought about maybe an education version because the things you can use in the schools are very different than what you can use in placement or even outside of the schools. So um, there are just a few ideas that I'd love to see. And I know some are being worked on, so I'm kind of excited for that. I think the whole concept is is brilliant from the standpoint of how you can how you're integrating it with the training, and also mm -hmm. the underlying uh, context is you do have to work together, you do have to collaborate, and I think that's yeah. that's fantastic. Comes out in your article. I have to ask about um, an example you used in the article. I'm not going to talk about the. I'm not going to say what the example is because I want everybody to go to the article at healingmagazine.org and read it because it's a great story. But um, you offer a solution to an issue that is presented. And I should point out, the issue is not the one about the child falling into the lake. It's another one. And I just have to ask him that, do you really think that you would use a canoe in that, in that situation? <laughs> Um, maybe not in a typical situation, but I will tell you what, if, if all I had was a canoe available to me in the situation, yes, I would use it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, everybody has to go, everybody has to go and read the article because it is, it, it, it is, um, it, it's a great illustration of what you're talking about, that the, the, um, problem solving and coming up with a solution. The solution is actually the best one you can think of in the, in the situation. So um, go on there and take a look at that. Barbie, you, you know, we ask all of our guests for a life hack. So what's your life hack for us today? 
Um, life hack. I, I, for me, actually, <laughs> I think my life hack is pretty much, and anybody who knows me knows this, um, anything related to Star Wars is going to make you feel better. That is pretty much where I would go with things. I have a lightsaber. I have a dartboard. I have, you name it. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't argue with that. You know, the forces with you is strong with this one. I will tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that's, that's a wonderful one. Barb Kendall is Pennsylvania Training Manager for Kids Peace. She is among the first people to have been trained as a facilitator for the cosplay game. And her article about the game is in the latest issue of Healing Magazine. Barb, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob. In the just published spring summer edition of Healing Magazine, our recurring feature Therapist's Corner highlights the challenges a practitioner of art therapy faces in the time of COVID-19. Katie Griebel is a board-certified art therapist and licensed professional counselor who wrote about her experience for the magazine's latest issue, and she joins us on the podcast. Katie, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. So in your article for Healing, you note that a majority of the tools that you use as an art therapist were not available to you in dealing with your clients because you were in a virtual situation. I'm wondering what that was like for you when you when you realized that was the situation you were in. Yeah, so interestingly, I actually started this current position in August, kind of mid-pandemic. So I never actually met any of my clients face-to-face. So we all were starting from scratch and trying to figure out what we were doing together. So um, I tried to transfer some of my activities, um, sort of made a template that we would put up on the whiteboard in Zoom and then draw on top of that. Um, I might ha- have asked them to get materials from their home, but um, it just really wasn't the same because a lot of what I do and the information I get is how the art is made and watching someone work. Um, So at first I was just kind of shocked and then I just trusted that I could do it without my usual tools and and we worked through it together and it's been really eye-opening as the article talked about. Now, when you describe some of the ways that you were able to weave into your therapy, what you were seeing in a child's room or their house, I was struck with how you described some of the reactions from the younger kids as if they were excited to have you in their world versus going to your office. Is that accurate? And how did that affect your approach to working with them? Yeah, it's, they just love to show me their toys and their pets. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm just looking at the ceiling and I have to say, Hey, could you prop me back up so I can see your face? And they just kind of put me right into their world. And I think that it was so novel for them to have a grown up in their house, you know, like a teacher type person or a therapist in their house. So um, they were so excited and, and welcoming me into their world. I think the hardest part was like not knowing what I was jumping into, you know, were they just napping 10 minutes ago or did their parents just take their video games away and they were mad or they were just having a fight with a sibling, you know, Um, and some of these kids were in virtual school all day. So they were completely over it. They didn't want to be on the computer. So for me, it was just like kind of hopping into a middle of a movie and, um, you know, just seeing what I was going to find. And I think that was really different because 
when you're coming to an office appointment, you kind of have the car ride there and you have the waiting room and, you know, they enter the space that I have set up for them with my intentions for that time together. So um, it was very different. But again, there was a lot of information to gain by seeing them in their own world. One of the insights that you relate in your article, and you mentioned video games, and I and you said this in the article, you say this was a surprising insight, mm-hmm. um, was that the virtual format of working with them actually breaks down some of the barriers to discussing video games with your clients. Were the young people you dealt with excited to share their interest in gaming with you as a way to sort of educate you on their view of things? Definitely. Um I I think the complaint from a lot of parents is too much video games. We don't want him so obsessed with video games, stuff like that. And um, I remember the first kid that I kind of had this breakthrough with, he was telling me about this game he had been playing. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll have to look that up. And he was like, you're like the third person who said that to me. And as he was saying that, I had Googled it and shared my screen on the Zoom. And I was like, oh, is this the game you're talking about? And you could see it in his face. Like, whoa, she really looked it up. You know, it wasn't just uh, lip service from a grown-up pretending to be interested in what he was talking about. And so um, I was like telling him, can you tell me what characters you like? And he was just so surprised that I wanted to hear more about it. So um, I don't think they saw it as much as like I did as as I was learning so much about them, you know, just um, how I can see what characters they like or what they liked about the certain games. And I really don't think a lot of grownups take the time to learn about the video games that they're playing. So it was, unless they're setting limits around them, you know, (laughs) so it was, it was really um, neat for me. And I definitely have a new appreciation for the whole world of, of gaming now. And that comes through in the article, of course. Uh, We ask each of our guests for a life hack. This could be a favorite saying, a piece of advice, maybe something that gets you through a tough part of the day. Do you have a life hack for us? (laughs) Yes, I I thought hard about this. Um, I think over this pandemic period, uh, the thing that keeps coming up for me is just perspective. So I had two young children, my full-time job, um, and still making time to have Uh, you know, my life and my husband needed time and my home needed care, you know, so everything can be really overwhelming. And I just had to keep putting things in perspective. And the saying or the life hack um, that came to mind for me was, uh, you can't put your max, you have to put your oxygen mask on yourself before you help another passenger, right? That's the announcement they do on all the airplanes. And that was taught to me as a a beginning therapist. And I think about that a lot. And and as a therapist and going into this profession, you want to help everyone. You want to save the world. And a lot of times you have to remember that's not our job. Our job is not to fix. Our job is to just be there and do whatever we can and do our best every day. So um, that really helped me a lot. Okay. Katie Griebel is an art therapist and licensed professional counselor. Her article on what she learned during the pandemic is in the latest issue of Healing Magazine. Katie, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Conversations with Kids Peace is sponsored by Spyglass Solutions at spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. 
Spyglass offers evidence-based consulting services to help your healthcare organization become more efficient while delivering more positive outcomes for your stakeholders. Spyglass consultants bring hundreds of years of collective experience to bear on the questions you need answered in today's healthcare environment. To find out how they can help you, visit them at spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. That's spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. Pretty much every profession has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, but the one that seems to generate the most discussion is that of teaching. In the spring-summer 2021 edition of Healing Magazine, we asked Kristen Jacoby, a high school English teacher, for her perspective on what the pandemic restrictions meant as she sought to connect with her students amid the crisis. And we're pleased to have her with us here. Hello, Kristen. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, You begin your article in Healing Magazine with a point about student engagement, how it's viewed as key to success for a teacher to engage your students And yet that engagement becomes harder and harder to achieve as time goes on. Was that insight something that you gained as a result of the pandemic? Uh, Actually, no. Uh, In in pieces, yes. But truthfully, my first insight to that happened at the onset of smartphones. Um, That's when we really started to see a dip in our student engagement. uh, And particularly particularly with social media apps, our students much prefer to absorb themselves in their phones and their apps rather than in learning. But one thing I did notice over the course of the pandemic, it really did make it harder to engage students because they had they already had this retreating tendency going on with their technology and then to put forth a model where some students were not face to face with teachers at all. It it just made it that much harder to try to get students to engage. Honestly, even in the classroom environment, the masks really did play a part in engagement as well. Uh, A lot of my students sometimes were just silent, which in a high school classroom is highly unusual. Uh, Sometimes it was nice. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's like, this is what a nice break. But other times when you're trying to have discussions, there's just, you can only see from the eyes up and, and that really makes a change in engagement. You, you maybe wouldn't think that it does, but that's what I noticed from the pandemic and engagement is the masks and the continued retreating into their devices and their social media. Now, your article is titled The If Factor. What does that mean? So for me personally, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the idea of if I don't put a lot of stock into certainty or guarantees. And I've found that that has really carried over into my experiences, both as a teacher and the time in which I was actually doing counseling as a therapist as well. In the classroom, it comes down to a matter of if students are engaged, you're going to see better production. You're going to see better growth. You're going to see better relationships being developed. In therapy, you know, it's similar as well. If there's engagement from the client with the therapist, um, if there is a desire to heal and, you know, move forward, then that yields better results. And I think for me, when I think about the if factor, it's almost like the perfect storm. If everything is lined up the way it needs to be lined up, then you will see the kinds of results that you're wanting to see. And when it comes down to teaching in a pandemic, if the students are willing, to engage and willing to put forth effort, then you're going to see positive results. And if not, you're not. (laughs) 
And, and part of that is that you note that when you're in hybrid instruction, you, this is teaching remotely, mm-hmm. you had to, and your phrase was, bottle your classroom environment for your students to feel as comfortable engaging in that model as they do when they're in school in person physically. What did you have to do to accomplish that? For me, it's it, my classroom environment is really interesting because I am I am myself. Um, I have lost the ability to be fake over the years. So, you know, my sarcasm and the way that I interact with kids, joking around with them, uh, that is something that I sort of basically had to bottle up and try to share with the students that I was dealing with only online, as well as help the students remember when they were online, but I was also seeing them in person, it gets very complicated, that that environment was still there. That environment I found is a lot harder to create over a computer screen. Um, But on the flip side, it was also harder to create in the classroom because of masks. When, When my only half of my face is seen. You can't see my entire facial expression. And that was something I had to become very quickly cognizant of when interacting with students, because in my sarcasm, I'm banking on them seeing my entire facial expression. But if they can't see my entire face, then that, that could be problematic. So for me, I, I really tried to transfer the strong in-person relationships that, and had them carry over into the virtual environment. Um, and another thing that I really, as far as kind of moving through that classroom environment is I learned that I had to be respectful of students who wanted to stay in the background for lack of a better explanation. There is no forcing relationships when you're only seeing blank squares on a screen. And at a certain point, I, I just had to accept that and incorporate that into how I interacted with those students, which was very challenging for me. It's so interesting you say that because I think about how um, we, were, we learn very quickly in the digital age that mm-hmm. nuance is lost when you're talking about social media posts or emails. And you might say something and you're in your mind, you're saying it, but you're saying it with tonal inflection and the yeah. facial expressions and everything mm-hmm. else. And, you know, they're not getting that to your point. <laughs> There's something blocking it, blocking that either the technology might be the mm-hmm. remote or even just the mass. So um, yeah. I, I don't, I, I think th- these insights you have are so valuable. Um, to make people understand what what you've gone through and what the kids may have gone through as a yeah. So let me ask you to look a little bit farther ahead. You know, keep our fingers crossed. We're at the point where we're going to start moving past the protocols about the pandemic. We can maybe put the masks in the rear view. We can hopefully. Hopefully, um, I'm just wondering, in your opinion, do you think there are ways that the pandemic has changed the model of teaching going forward, even after it's pretty much taken care of? I can really only say that I hope so. Um, I've been feeling this way for years. I think systemically education is really ready for an overhaul. And uh, many of the overhauls that we've gotten in the last, you know, I've been in it for 15 years, so I can only say the last 15 years has been forcing more technology into the classroom. And I'm at a point now where I would like to see technology be thrown out the window. I'm so tired of doing everything on a computer. I'm so tired of standing in front of a group of seven or eight kids and their heads are in their computers because 
that's, that was the easiest way, so to speak, to handle everything. So as far as, you know, where I see education going, I, I hope it changes. I, I feel that education changes tend to be slow for some reason. Uh, and I, I think that there just needs to be more focus on the students themselves and not necessarily what they quote unquote need to learn. I, I think more focus on the person as opposed to the process or the system would be a really good flip to see. And I feel it coming, you know, I see it specifically in Liberty and some of the things that we've been doing in my school in the last couple of years, but how that translates into education in general, I don't know, but I think it would really be kind of criminal if we as educators didn't take this opportunity and learn from it and make significant changes moving forward. We ask each of our guests on the podcast for a life hack. This could be a favorite saying, a piece of advice, maybe something that you do that gets you through a bad day. Uh, do you have a life hack for us? Uh, <laughs> my life hack, honestly, is go to therapy. That's, that's my biggest life hack. I'm, I'm a big proponent in at some point, everyone needs to go to therapy in their lives. Uh, but for me personally, what I tend to tell myself when I'm dealing with something that I don't want to deal with, I just repeatedly say, keep moving forward. Uh, I think sometimes the worst thing we can do is move backwards. So for me, it's just that mentality of keep moving forward, take a breath, keep move forward. Um, and the other thing, actually, someone told me recently when I was having a, a difficult moment was the idea that this is just a blip. So if you are having a challenging moment or something is really frustrating you, pressing you and, and taxing you emotionally, just try to take a step back and remember, this is just a blip. This is not forever. It's just a blip. And hopefully that can help you keep moving forward. That's excellent advice, and I think everybody everybody should should definitely adopt that. Going uh, in trying to figure out what happens after the pandemic, just say this will be this will pass. Yeah, we'll one. There'll be something else, as you say. Keep moving forward. Yes. Christian Jacoby teaches high school English in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and is preparing to publish her third novel in early 2022. Congratulations. Thank you. Her article, The If Factor, is in the latest issue of Healing Magazine. Kristen, thanks again for joining us, and thank you so much for that wonderful article. Of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity.